Grab a Bible. Page 811. Thanks, buddy. And this morning we're going to... I normally don't do this because I feel like I'm kind of um, manipulating Scripture, but uh, trust me, I'm not. Um, But as I was reading this, we're going to divide a section of Scripture. We're going to talk about the Lord's Prayer next week. Uh, But uh, this week we're going to talk about something as I'm seeing... Yada, yada, trust me on this one, okay? Chapter 6 of Matthew, page 811. 1 through 6, and then uh, 16 through 18. Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, Sound no trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray... You must not be like the hypocrites, for they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners that they may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to the Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Jump to verse 16. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret. And your Father who sees in secret will reward you. This is the Word of God. Well, I'm going to tell you, um, this, um, this whole Sermon on the Mount thing is really uh, uncomfortable. And I'm sure so, uh, we've heard a little of these testimonies of where we have been uh, feel like we're being pinched and pushed and prodded as we work through Scripture. Um, C.S. Lewis uh, was once highly criticized because he had never really written on uh, the Sermon on the Mount. And uh, one of his, uh, his criticizers, uh, Dr. Um, Pittinger, really came down on him and just said, you know, why aren't you talking about this? Apparently, you don't like the Sermon on the Mount. Well, this is, this is what uh, C.S. Lewis had to say to him. As for caring for the Sermon on the Mount, if caring for here means liking or enjoying, I suppose no one cares for it. Who can like being knocked flat on his face by a sledgehammer? I can hardly imagine a more deadly spiritual condition than that of a man who can read that passage with tranquil pleasure. He's basically saying, man, if you, you enjoy sitting in this and you get great pleasure, 
there's something masochistic about you. Because this goes deeply to the heart of man. Goes deeply to the heart of women. And says, listen, let's talk about your spiritual condition. Way back in the Beatitudes, he starts off by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. And it's not just, we discovered it wasn't just this, those people who are walking around, you know, the kind of Christians wearing the sad long face and they're always persecuted and they're walking around like this. It's poor in spirit talks about they're recognizing their total spiritual depravity. And that's what this, this whole Sermon on the Mount is talking about, is when we recognize our, our place, our apart from God, that there is nothing that we can do to conjure up uh, peace with God, that brings us to the point of, uh, of great hope because grace then is just poured out on us. We receive such spiritual blessing because we rely more fully on Christ. But constantly, I've been feeling like we've been going, I've been going through a kind of spiritual physical therapy where muscles that have not been used or examined are really being pushed and twisted and changed and I'm getting these kind of spiritual workouts that say, Paul, why do you do what you do? You know, because we, we looked at this and he says, listen, you've heard it said of old, you shall not murder. Well, it's not just murder, the outward activity, but Jesus says, let's go to the heart. When you hate somebody in your heart, it's as if you've murdered them. You've heard it said you shouldn't commit adultery. And Jesus says, listen, it's not just about this outward activity. Yes, adultery is wrong. But let's go to the inward and let's talk about the lust that leads to. If you look lustfully at a man, at a woman, you too have committed adultery. And Jesus keeps on going deeper and deeper to last week where we ended and just said, you've heard it said of old that you should do what? Do you remember? Hate your enemies and love your neighbor. And Jesus says, oh, 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 oh. I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. Let's get really at the heart. Do you remember again that you were spiritually far from God and while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. So your worldview, how you view people, those enemies, you too were an enemy of God. And while you were an enemy of God, Christ died for you. So in the same way, how do we approach your enemies as God would? Loving them deeply as love has been poured out to you. This week, Jesus really gets at, moves on and talks about the religious practices that we do, our, our piety, how we, how we live out our faith. And he addresses three big areas. He starts off with the area of, of giving. You know, some of you are mentally in your mind kind of going, stay away from my pocketbook room. I already passed, you know, already passed the offering plate. I'm doing pretty good. But Jesus addresses this area of giving and then he goes to the area of prayer 
And then he goes to the area of fasting and says, let's talk about why you do what you do. Jesus really wants to go really to the heart of humanity. And if we really have an honest admission of what's going on, it's really not a pretty picture. It's really not a pretty picture of why we do what we do. I grew up in kind of a a, a Christian culture that you went to church on Sunday and you did these kind of things. Twice on Sunday, once on Wednesday, you do these activities, and this is what we do. And sure, I'm sure at one time it came out of a heart of goodness and a, a love for our Savior, but after a while it became out of religiosity. And some of you this morning are here for that exact same reason, aren't you? It's Sunday morning, 10 o'clock, and you know that at some point, Paul might see you again. So where were you? If you were with, uh, if it was up to Jim Pollock, he'd be sleeping right now. But Jim's here. Maybe he's fear of Paul. I don't know. Or his wife. Yeah, I don't know. Fear of Janae or Paul. I don't know. Which is worse? Yeah, yeah. You know, so why, you know, we, we really got to get to the heart of the issue. Why do we do what we do? Why, how do we practice what we do? Jesus says, why do you give? And do you remember when we were back in Mark? Uh, Jesus was sitting back at the treasury, and he was watching people pass by, and they were giving their offerings. And he, he goes, whoa, 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 watch this. And the rich people would come and they'd just throw in their... There'd kind of be this fanfare. They'd be throwing in their offerings and people go, Oh my gosh. And quietly, off to the side, a little lady, a widow, brought in a mite and she goes, Watch that. You see that? She drops it in a mite, a widow's mite. And as it hits all the other coins at the bottom of the treasury, it doesn't even make a sound. And he goes, that, she gets it. She gets it. She's giving out of her nothing in praise and worship to God the Father. Wow, she gets it. These other people, they're giving out of their abundance and they're doing it for what sake? For people's applause. And Jesus is talking to us today too. He said, uh, Thus, when you give to the needy, it's not a if you give to the needy. Did we notice that? When you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you. There's no kind of fanfare. There's no like, hello, do you see the size of my check? He said, there's no trumpet, no fanfare, none of that, as the hypocrites do it. In in those days, a hypocrite was somebody who, who loved the stage. And uh, what they do, they would take the stage and they would put on a mask. In the Greek plays, they'd wear the mask and they would take on a different identity. So Jesus said, don't take on a different identity. Be true to who you are and your love for sa- the Savior. Don't look for people to give you applause in any kind of way. But I say to you, they've received their reward. They, they, they got the praise of humanity. They got people saying, wow... Did you see how much Casey Warren gave? Wow! That's all the praise that Casey's going to get. God isn't going to say, Well done, good and faithful servant. God's going to go, You know what? You got what you wanted. Now let's talk about judgment. 
says, listen, you have received your reward. And in the Greek, they have received their reward is literally kind of phrased like they have received a, a sum in full and they have a receipt for it. They've been receipted for what they've just done. The praise of man. That's all you get. That's your receipt. So Jesus says, listen, when you give to the needy, do it in this way. Don't let your left hand see what your right hand is doing for your, so that your giving may be in secret. That sounds kind of weird. Like my, my right hand, I've got to put my left hand behind my back. What's up with that? And Jesus is saying, listen, our Christian giving is not to be before men, you know, just waiting for, for their applause and for their activity, you know, their, their applause and going, way to go. Man, that is just admirable. Those zealers, they, they are just giving so faithfully. Oh, Bob and Tennille, they're growing, they're giving, way to go. Oh, Diane, praise God for you and your giving. You've received your praise. Don't wait for that. Because that's not, that's not what good Christian, God-honoring worship and giving is about. And it's not... Um, even before ourselves, where you let our own left hand applaud our right hand's activity. Because a lot of times, we like to applaud ourselves. Paul Vroom, you are so faithful. I just love you. God is going to give you so much in heaven. A huge crown. I know, and we sacrifice so much as a family. <laughs> you know, we do that, don't we? If it's not for the praise of men and women, we praise ourselves. I am so faithful. And Jesus said, don't let your, even let your left, there's, it's almost has to be done uh, such love and admiration for God and for his provision and his care that we just say, ah, here you go. And it's almost out of our, we, we aren't even conscious of our giving because it just flows so freely. Man, I just love God. And you know, I'm going to give, not even thinking twice about it. It's like, I just want to be faithful. I, here, God, here's my life. Here's my money. Here's my resources. Here you go. We used a phrase back in December, Coram Deo. Again, what is Coram Deo? Before the, before the face of God, in the presence of God. We've got to understand that everything that we do is Coram Deo, before the face of God. And our worship, our giving is Coram Deo, before God's face. So then he goes on and he attacks the, the next thing. And when you pray, it's not and if you pray, and when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites who put on kind of the false face. They love to stand and pray in, this, in the public places. They love to, you know, and part of this is Jesus was attacking the time of their day. Whenever a trumpet would be blown in, in the temple court, no matter where you were in Jerusalem, you would stop. You could drop to your knees and start praying. And the religious people of the day love that. It's like, oh, holy God! You know, and we get the whole attention. What about me? You see me? You see what I'm doing? I'm praying. I'm the holy one. Get your act together. Follow what I'm doing. Jesus, we love you. Come on, you two. You two, stand up. We got, see what I'm doing? 
And what are we doing? We love the praise and the attention of man. The religiosity. Jesus is just getting at, why are you doing what you're doing? Are you praying and loving God for who He is? Trusting Him and your faith is increasing because you see what He's doing? Or do you want people to say, man, He is a prayer warrior? Again, doing it for the praise of men. Or sometimes we pray and just say, Bob, you should be praying like me. I love me. Oh, that feels so good. I am such a good prayer warrior. You know, I am at every second Tuesday. What about you? Oh, I know. I've been keeping track. And you start loving you, patting yourself on the back, because that's your self-worth. And God goes, you know what? You've received your reward in full. That's all you get. That's it. But he goes on. It says, but when you pray, go into your room and shut the door and pray to your Father who is in secret. Now, I've got to be clear. This is not saying that we cannot pray like we did for our prayers of the people. Okay? I want to be clear about that because we, we see Daniel praying publicly. We see Moses praying publicly. We see Ezra praying publicly. And all kinds of other... The early church, what did they do? They came together in public and prayed. They even went to the upper room, Acts 4, read about it. They prayed together and in a tremendous way, God shook their room that they were in because they were praying corporately. But Jesus is getting at the heart of the issue of why are you praying? If, if you've got any issue with you know, needing uh, uh, the pat on the back, Go into your room and shut the door and attend to God in prayer. Don't attend to your wants, your needs, your desires. Don't attend to you know, the people around you. Go into your private room and pray. Attend to God and God alone. And who is in secret. What does that mean? If you read the, the Jerusalem Bible, the Jerusalem Bible basically says... Uh, and pray to your Father who is in that secret place. God is there. Pray to God who's in the secret place. And what will He do? And your Father who sees you in secret will reward you. He'll bless you. But don't be a hypocrite. Because what do hypocrites do? They pray with almost Maybe one eye on God and the other eye on what everybody else is doing. Don't do that. We're to close the door against any kind of disturbance, any kind of distraction. And we also need to close our eyes to the, uh, the prying eyes of other people. But we need to shut ourselves in with God. So even when we pray publicly, when we pray uh, privately, pray in such a way that the doors are closed, there's no distractions, no accolades of men and women and whatever. But we pray to the Father, who will answer us? And here's the fun thing, just my little Greek studies. When you go into your room, 
that word, your room, that word room, was used as a, a storehouse room where treasures might be kept. So go into your room, that storehouse room, and pray to your Father who's in the secret place, who's there, and pray. For there's treasures there. Of a God who wants to answer our prayers. Who wants to answer a job request. Who wants to answer the prayers of a church. Who wants to answer the prayers of a marriage. Who wants to answer the prayers of a, a future wisdom. Who is answering the prayers of, about an uncle in Iraq. Who's answering the prayers of this and that. He wants to answer these prayers. But when they're prayed correctly. And the last one. He, he attacks this whole issue of fasting. He says, listen, do not even mention that you're fasting to the world. Don't, you know, you know, dirty your face and just, you know, walk around with a limp because, man, I haven't eaten in the past four hours. I'm fasting. I'm famished. Well, why are you fasting? Well, it's because one time uh, my pastor said that we should fast so that God would answer our prayers and we're doing it for the nation now. You got your reward right there. You're done. But before God's face, before God's face, where the spectator around us doesn't matter, we fast, beseeching God, coming after Him, saying, I'm willing to give up these things and allowing you to fill their place. Lord, I want more of you and less of the world. I'm going to fast from media because, Lord, I want more of you in that place where media was. God, I'm going to fast from food because I, I've hungered and thirsted after food and I want hunger and thirst after you. And nobody else needs to know it. Nobody else. We must choose God as our audience. God is our audience. Him and Him alone. God is solely our audience. And God hates hypocrisy. But He loves hearts, men, women, children, pastors, elders, deacons, ministry leaders, he loves us all to be real and honest. He loves it when we go to our quiet room and where we just say, God, I suck. I have failed you again. I can't say that around everybody else because I'd much rather pat myself on the back. God, I dropped it. I dropped the ball again. Sin against you. I sinned against heaven. I sinned against my brother. God, forgive me. God, I'm being filled by these things and they're giving me joy and my, my greatest joy should be you. God, I'm fasting from those things. God, would you fill me? Ah, I dropped the ball again. God, I want more of you. And you know what? That's my dream for our church that we don't do Sunday morning worship just because it's patting ourselves on the back or people notice us showing up. 
I want it to be because our audience is of one, of God. And where we can honestly come before Him with brothers and sisters and say, God, I dropped the ball again. Would you pour out your grace on me? I don't deserve it all. I don't deserve any of it. But because of the work of your Son, Jesus Christ, I'm here. I have access to you. I now have hope. God, would you continue to work in this process of sanctification in my life? Please, because I, I'm dropping it. I, I can't do it on my own. I'm, I'm hopeless. So again, I come to you humbly, with a broken heart, without pride, without desire of recognition. I come to you humbly. God, would you take my broken heart and heal me? God, as we come to the table where we remember the work of your Son, God, would you heal me? As I remember the work done on the cross, the blood poured out, poured out the body broken, God, would you heal me again? As I re-remember the gospel, as I reapply it again today and tomorrow and Tuesday and every day of my life, God, work in me. Because I can't do religion. Because it doesn't work. I need Jesus. Because that's the only thing that will satisfy. Amen? Amen? So we come to the table. We come to the table knowing that the work has been accomplished. Once and for all. And it's at the table where we meet Jesus in a special way, like he, he sat with his disciples on the night that he was betrayed, reclining back, and Jesus saying, listen, let me show you what's going to be done. You might not get it now, but there's going to be a point where you're going to go, ah, oh, his blood was poured out. His body was broken for me. And same way he meets us at the table this morning. But we also, according to 1 Corinthians, we need to examine ourselves. We need to say, what is it that we need to confess and check our pride our need for notoriety, our laziness, being arrogant, unforgiving, not loving our enemies, looking lustfully, therefore committing adultery. And so in a little bit, we're going to invite you to come to the table. But the table is only open to those who believe deeply in their heart that Jesus Christ is the Lord of all and the Lord of your life. And you've confessed with your mouth that He is that Lord. If you're, you're able to do that and you've done that before and you, you love Jesus, you're welcome to this table. If you're not there yet, I want to encourage you, sit. 
Sit back and watch. You're not going to be judged. Nobody's going to cast judgment on you because we have no, we have, we're in no place to do that. On the night that Jesus was betrayed, he, he took the bread, looked around the room and said, this is my body that's broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, after the meal, he took the cup of blessing and as he poured it, he said, this, this is my blood in a new covenant. Do this in remembrance of me. Do this in remembrance of me. With those who are serving, please come forward. Also during this time, we'll be receiving our offering for Haiti. Please give generously as God has given to you. So come, all things are ready.